I'm not wearing any underwear right now. Is it because you, you shit your pants today? It's because I shit my pants today. Really? Yeah, I, sh- I shit my pants at work today. I was having. Wow, I, that's like the third time, isn't it? Welcome like to a years. perfectly acceptable <laughs> podcast. <laughs> a perfectly shittable podcast? It's definitely the third or fourth time since I've worked at this job that I've sh- poop, I poop my, I pooped them I'm at work. I'm starting to feel left out. Between you <laughs> and everybody else that shits their pants here, I'm feeling like, I don't know, you guys say that it's not fun, but I don't think you would do it as much Man, if it wasn't. I just went to make a toot today, and Justin and Braden were both sitting, Justin and Django were sitting right next to me, and I almost like said something beforehand, but I was like, I think that this is just a toot, and I was wearing my favorite pair of underwear, oh. MeUndies. This is our ad spot for MeUndies. Uh, <laughs> spoilers are sponsored by MeUndies. Favorite MeUndies, which Sam bought me for Christmas, and they're Star Wars, so they've got like <laughs> Stormtroopers and Chewie and Yoda, and there's all these like white Stormtroopers, and there is one brown stormtrooper now in my underwear. I'm sure it'll be able to enough washes, stain remover. Yeah, I usually trooper. just throw the underwear away when this happens, but the MeUndies are expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, just just bleach it. We have matching that underwear, but hers doesn't have a poop in it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's so humiliating. I just looked at the guys. I said, I just pooped my pants. No, what you said was, oh. <laughs> Um, but like, I guess my advice to everybody is work at, not open. work at a job where you can openly tell your coworkers that you pooped your pants and everyone, Django, what did Django say immediately after he said, like, you're one of my favorite people, Jeff, but it was like a consolatory, like, you're a very good man, Jeff. I know that you're stressed about all your car accident and insurance stuff. But you got to pay attention uh, to your butthole too. I was, I was, but listen. Never trust a fart. Never that, trust a fart that, anymore. Welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast by the Comics Place in Bellingham, Washington. 118. Where, oh, 118? Yeah. One, one, eight. Every week we get a bunch of comics from Jana up at UPS. I wonder if she listens to this. You should tell her about she it. She listens. You should they tell were her a day we name drop her. Um, and we bring them back here, sort them, pull them for our customers, pull them for ourselves, take them home, read them. Oh, yeah. Take them somewhere and read them. Dunk them. I read some in a sleeping bag today. I read some. Dude, this week I had to sleep on my couch because it was cold in my house. Then we come down here (laughs) into our podcast recording studio room and uh, talk about them. Uh, We are going to spoil some comics today. Our spoilers this week are sponsored by P-Undies, which... It's a good thing Jeff wasn't wearing those. Because I did pee out of my butt today. There was no solid to be found. So we're going to be talking about <laughs> Daredevil number one. Female Furies number one. Old Man Quill number one. Yeehaw! Vindication number one. The Girl in the Bay number one. And Uncanny X-Men number 11. One, so one. nothing but ones. Django, I think that we're going to need to call Spencer Bourne and see if we can get clearance for the old... Uh, the, the number one cast. It's, it's uh, Rory Danger and the Danger Dangers. Thank you. The guy who plays guitar in it looks a lot like Spencer Boren. It's actually Spike Danger.
So it's a lot of ones this week. So there were going to be spoilers. And there's also going to be some uh, buckshot books. Buckshots. There's a winter storm a-brewing, folks. It's cold. It's snowy. There's hot chocolate just all over me at any given time, which is maybe what's messing up my (laughs) dietary track. I haven't had a single hot chocolate this season yet. Oh, buddy. I've been mixing some raspberry hot chocolate with regular hot chocolate and just drinking it all up. All that to say, uh, the books were a day late. Usually they come in on Tuesday, as everyone here who listens to our intros know. Um, They showed up Wednesday morning. And all of that to say... It is amazing how a 24-hour arrival time will totally mess up my reading I have no concept of time right now because of that. I I read most of these last night and this morning, and it is Saturday. Yeah, so it must be Wednesday if you read them last night and this morning. But it's Saturday. Exactly. It's broken. The the time sphere is broken. But, uh, you know, we've made it, and we're here, and we're just doing a little bit later than normal. But uh, goodness gracious, I'm Jeff. And uh, shucks, howdy, I probably should go to a doctor because my erectile health <laughs> is shit. I'm Django, and uh, I don't know if it's going to make it into the podcast, but uh, apparently I have to have a talk with my penis later. <laughs> oh, there was a really long intro <laughs> conversation. <laughs> there won't be in it. No! Then, oh, I want to take it back! We'll do a do-over, but I'm going to keep this in. <laughs> I'm Django, and I read comics. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm Roman, and... Uh... Everything's good. My apartment's a balmy, like, 70 degrees. He doesn't have to talk to his dick ever? I, I, I bet he doesn't poop his pants. I don't poop my pants. I do talk to my dick, but everything's fine. How is we've, we've reached a happy agreement. <laughs> Roman the snake. <laughs> Daredevil number one. By Welcome the, to the blue episode. The blue episode <laughs> where Django's back. Justin's still MIA. Um, but he did say that he was having a wonderful time in Chicago. Chicago. Uh... Let's circle back to Chicago because yes. I do have a story about Chicago. I might have told it on the podcast once, but I think we should talk about Daredevil to yeah, start. I think so. Daredevil by Ch- Chip Zadarsky and Chiquetto. Who is that? Marco Chiquetto. Marco Chiquetto. Chiquetto. Who has it? been, frankly, uh, hanging out with old man Hawkeye lately, mm-hmm. except for he bailed out on issue 11 and 12 mm-hmm. probably to get a start on this book. Well, I think he bailed out so he could, he could carve that puppet. Pinocchio. That's Geppetto. That's Geppetto. Ah, okay. Marco Geppetto. Killing it, Roman. Ah. I love Roman. I love Roman. What are you uh, doing? Daredevil. Yeah. Daredevil. I-, I like this issue. I like this issue, too. It's good. Can I say something? Uh, yeah. Sure. Was it about the female Furies? I loved this issue. Oh. Yeah. I loved this issue, you guys. What did you love about it? Um, well, I love the first six pages. Uh, so this follows up on the Charles Soule run, which he was doing for too long. And at the end of that, he quote unquote died, but he didn't really die. But he sort of died for a while. Not Charles Soule. No, Charles Soule doing Soleil. just fine, yeah. looking good. Uh, Cranking him out. But he's talking to his pepper too, I guess. <laughs> Cranking it out. But um, so then there was a five issue sort of everyone dealing with the possible death of Matt Murdock. And, and, and now he's back. Roman, how did that all end up? Did he wake up at the end of that mini? Man without, yeah, the Man Without Fear mini. Yeah, he, well, he was in the hospital all all banged up and felt like he couldn't be Daredevil anymore because he was just too much damage over the years that he could never get to a state where he could actually jump around and fight crime and everything. He was awake from like issue three, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, lost his confidence. And he was like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. And of course, at the end of it, he was like, well, maybe I can do it. Yeah. Because Iron Fist and other people showed up. like, come on, you can do it. So this one, uh, he the first six pages are him in a bar and he meets this girl and he's doing some painkillers. And uh, 
she asks if she can have one, and he says, no, that would be illegal. Daredevil, number one. That was very good. <laughs> and then we cut to like him hanging out in his awesome apartment, and he's had a one-night stand with this girl. And they have some great dialogue. And that some was very what realistic. I, yeah, I stopped six pages in, and I just loved that. And and again, Marco Cicchetto, uh, I said this today a lot, but I think that anytime he's on a book, he elevates a book to the highest caliber that it can be. I think he makes an average writer wonderful, and I think he makes a great writer amazing. It's, yeah, it's uncanny. So I, I really loved uh, just all the art here, and I loved the dialogue between he and the woman, and that she needed to go, and just that, I don't know, the way that they interacted about him yeah. being blind. Yeah, I love the fact that he was like, don't fetishize my disability. Yeah. And she's like, no, it's not that. It's 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 your body. It's your muscles. <laughs> yeah. But then also it, it's sort of like she brought up that, no, I mean, as soon as I realized you were blind, I wasn't worried about all of my own appearance yeah. shit. And Yeah. I don't have to worry about am I pretty enough. And, and he's this. like, but you're beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. she doesn't. I was like, man. And, she says, and yet I'm and beautiful. But, she is. Yeah. I thought it was interesting while I was reading this that she jumped out as a really pretty girl. Because when I'm reading comics, there's like capital pretty girl and like they're placeholders or, or plot points. And this just seemed like a real person yeah. who was super pretty who was sleeping with Daredevil. And, and didn't know he was Daredevil. Yeah. But but just like that, that oh, wow, that this is a person more than a character to me when I was reading it. And I think that's the artist. Yeah. As much as the writer. And, and But the writing did work to, you know, sort of get that out there. And I, I think that I like about Daredevil is that more than most characters, he finds himself in relationships. Mm, and yeah. they're short-lived. You know, there was Karen Page. There was Electra, There was, I, f- I think her name was Mila in the, the okay. Bendis run. Yeah. Well, um, she's the one he married, I think. Yeah, and she was also blind. And then she yeah. lost her mind. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I, I like a superhero who can have human relationships and most other superheroes it's hard to have any amount of a human relationship in the story because they're by all counts not human yeah so I, I don't know I, I I really like that window and because I love relationship stuff I love rom-coms I've been you know we were talking about the damaging nature of uh, relationships and how they're embedded into fiction and they perpetuate these ideas that relationships are necessary before we were recording the podcast which Did is why Shane goes to talk to his penis um, <laughs> yeah and I really like that with Daredevil because the relationship thing and his recurring you know questions of his faith and everything and doing what he does it all makes him a very interesting real character and I remember when my I remember being a little kid and being in a comic shop with my dad and my dad talking about how Daredevil was really Catholic and I was like, what the fuck? Like, what? I don't know if five-year-old me was saying what the fuck, but I was very confused the by the heck? nature of like what a religious fuck, dad? <laughs> a religious duality in a superhero. I, I was like, man, that sounds boring. And even as I grew up, like, that's always been a thing that I haven't read the Frank Miller Daredevil stuff. I love the Bendis Daredevil stuff. That's what taught me to love comic runs. Was that one super Catholic? No, that one was really not Catholic. I, I read it. I just couldn't remember because every every – Fucking thing I read with Daredevil is all about him going to confession every every no, six see, pages. No, see, that's the crazy thing is for me, none of the stuff I've read has been. I read The Bendis, mm. I read The Brubaker, and I read The Wade, <clears throat> and those are all Catholic light. I guess it was the show leans real heavy on mm, that. I, I mm. only watched season one. Yeah. Did you guys catch that the art has a pretty drastic change between the past and the present? So, like, in the present, everything's all these hard lines, and, like, everybody's got whiskers and... and 
like a lot of sketchy kind of art and grayer. Yeah, and then any when when you're flashing back to Matt as a kid, everything is a little bit softer and rosier. It almost looks like a different artist for a lot of those mm. pages to me. Yeah, so or like the coloring cool is cue. for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's almost a sepia feel to it without actually being obviously like sepia tone. Yeah, I I don't know the, the bits of Catholicism in here are sort of dealing with Matt breaking man's law and the relationship yeah. between what God said about breaking man's law and how he sort of justifies that to himself. But also he's kind of out of shape and he's aging mm-hmm. and he's not mm-hmm. able to do all this stuff. So he's less acutely aware of what physical damage he's doing. And and I I think I could have done that without the Catholic flashbacks yeah. easily. Um, or maybe with just one of them. Yeah, there there were. <clears throat> I like the flashbacks because each time it, Daredevil was a little older, and of course so was the uh, the father. Um, I just like the little insights into building Matt's character. I guess I just felt like I I've seen all those before. I really liked this issue. It just made me really really excited for the rest of this run. Uh, what do you give it? Um, Nine point five. I'm gonna give it a seven and a half. Mm. Uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was solid. I don't. I don't have any complaints, but it didn't knock me. Didn't knock me over. I'll give it a nine because I. I love both the Mark Wade swashbuckling and Stan Lee swashbuckling Daredevil, and I love the conflicted Daredevil that we often see and that we see in here, where he's. He's still recovering. He almost falls out that roof, and he almost gets the crap beat out of him by three common criminals and. I like that he's the character that, like, we just do horrible shit to Daredevil. He's that yeah. character that writers <laughs> just do horrible shit to. Well, he can take a, an amazing amount of abuse. Yeah. Catholic. Yeah. Catholic yeah. guilt. <laughs> Female Furies number one by Cecil Castellucci, uh, art by Adriana Mello, colors by Hi-Fi. 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 That was a sound of a high-five, everybody. <clears throat> I had Roman, a hard time th- with this book. Yeah, go ahead. Jay, go, no, no, go ahead. Time. I want to hear what Roman, Roman what do you think? I also had a hard time with it. Um, but I want to preface that by saying that that I think maybe this book isn't aimed at me. Mm-hmm. It isn't aimed at it, it isn't aimed at somebody that has like, you know, 40 years of Jack Kirby New Gods okay. knowledge in his head. If somebody's coming to this cold, I think they get a lot more out of it than I did. Um I just had some problems where I was like, I was, the, I mean, the art is pretty cool most of the time. It, it's it tries interesting. to, it's, yeah, it tries to invoke Kirby. There's a lot of all the great Kirby stuff. It here. tries to invoke. That's a good, a good way of time. It, it's clearly trying to invoke art from a previous era while still being contemporary. Yeah, I liked in the flashbacks we see like forty something Granny goodness, um, and, and the way it, that she actually looks. Weight yeah, and, and she actually looks like a, a realistically younger version of this character. And those pages, those old flashbacks, are colored super flat, like yeah. an '80s comic. That's you're right. Yeah. I didn't it, notice that, but yeah. it did. They felt so '70s or '80s whenever yeah. it was. 60s? It looks like Steve Pugh to me. Mm. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, definitely could see that. Um, what I didn't like is it's. I just felt like some of this. It's a lot of the dialogue fell flat for me. I mean, at some points, it was one of my pet peeves is where they didn't have exclamation points where there obviously should be exclamation mm. points. Like in a battle and people are yelling and it's just period, period. Okay. <laughs> that pulls me right out of a story. But other than that, I didn't really, even though I know these characters and I didn't even, 
Big Barda, who's going to be the one that most of us care about. I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel her personality, especially coming off the Mr. Miracle run. I was mm-hmm. like, "Is this isn't Barda. It looks like Barda, but she's just kind of. What did you think of giving Granny a reason for being such an asshole? Um, uh, I can see why they're doing that, again, for people that are new to these characters. Yeah. But for me, I don't need her to have a reason. You know, these are these are more kind of arch- archetypal characters. They don't need a, a, an origin and building a personality. They're literally to, gods. Yeah. They don't need – she doesn't need to have been taken advantage of and – just like all the other stories we see of like just normal humans on earth and women dealing with the glass ceiling and all that. We don't need that projected through the new gods. Yeah. So for me, for somebody new to all this, yeah. that's good. They might be like, wow, that's amazing. I'm going to fall more into the category of people who are new to this. And I know a lot about these characters having read about them, but I haven't read the books that they were in. Yeah. Um, that stuff is a little hard to come by, honestly, at, at, at this point, um, the old Kirby stuff. So I really liked getting to see Darkseid talking to Dissod and the female Furies in a way that there aren't – there haven't been books in the last 10 years that do that. You don't – like Darkseid is very much that Morrison living idea concept yeah. in his representation lately. So I liked having a window into the politics and social structure of Apocalypse in a way that felt sort of like interacting with the comic books from the time that they were created. And the art sort of helped anchor it in that time. I also really did like the way that they did that mirroring of the plight of being a woman in America with this. And... You're right. I, I don't I don't know if I need that in the new gods. But I would also say that I it felt super not heavy-handed to me. It felt like Apocalypse is a horrible horrible place and Darkseid is the worst fucking dude. And I don't know I haven't read these issues, but it makes sense that maybe Darkseid would have made her do that. And it makes sense that maybe one of these female trees would have been treated in this way. That all made sense to me, and it didn't feel like anyone was trying to teach me a lesson mm. by putting it in this story. And and maybe it could come across that way, but but to me, it didn't. I didn't feel like I was being beaten over the head with it. It just felt like we're literally talking about hell and how a social structure exists there. I guess I had a really hard time with uh, this book now turning Dark Side in canon into a rapist. I thought that was kind of a like, I don't need that. I like him. I like him to be evil on a much larger scale than yeah. Like killing entire populations rather than forcing Granny Goodness to fuck him. And yeah, I, actually, I thought that was super. That's gross. a good point. Like, it's well, it's super super <clears throat> gross. I want him for to be sure. bad, not gross. He's you know the for me I put it in the the, the context of just like he's the epitome of evil. Right. So, so it made sense that he would do that. But it, you're right; it is like a micro level instead of a macro level. And I do, pr- you know, prefer Darkseid talking about sinking the third dimension, you know, and then letting the fourth and fifth reality yeah. rise in its ashes. Like I, I, I like would rather that. he got off to that. And also, I don't, I don't like the idea of Granny Goodness being kind of a an underdog. Yeah, no, I don't in either. the beginning yeah, and, and, and turning into the evil monster that 
that raised Scott and Barda. Yeah. I think that's... I wanted to have always been evil <laughs> and fat and... Like, just born looking like she did when Kirby <laughs> drew her the first time. So, because I haven't read those issues, to me, I sort of just washed away. It just sort of, I, I, I guess, because I was ignorant, I made the assumption that this is how Dark, that this is who Darkseid was and maybe would have been re- represented back then. I don't know. And it, it, is, is there anything I, like that, Roman? I don't, not that I know. I mean, I haven't read all that stuff, but that would be pretty the, dirty for a comic yeah, book. Yeah, or 40 not that years I know ago. of. I think he's always been represented as, like you were saying, the big evil, right? Um, with no real. De- I mean, when that happened in this issue, I was surprised because I've never even thought of Darkseid having, dark having any kind of sexual life at all. Well, yeah, so or any kind of desire <clears throat> other than you know killing and ruling the universe and the anti life equation. No, there's nothing. Yeah. No sex, no none of physical desires. I like don't. That. I don't like this in this very specific context. I think it would have made more sense from a dark side character to have him manipulate someone else into having that same conversation with her. Yeah, like to fuck with some other power dynamic. I still wouldn't be as super stoked on it, but I think that that would have made more sense to me. As it would have like been dark sides kind of. Yeah, it would have been made more sense nature. if it was like Canto the yeah the foppish like. His Spaniard, whatever he's assassin. It yeah. is a little one-dimensional of Darkseid. Yeah, you know, like, and, and I, I think of him more of a of a macro meta thing who doesn't necessarily worry about gratification on an yeah. immediate level. Yeah. But again, I haven't read these really old things, so I kind of just put it into well, he used to be more of a person and less of a a concept. Sure, I'd be very curious to to hear what. Um, People like that are new to these characters that just read this book because of the writer, um, how it landed with them. Why is the writer important? It's the person that did uh, Shade the Changing, Shade the Changing Woman, Girl, think, Woman, and that was that was pretty popular. Yeah, I think more than anything, we'll get people who got Mister Miracle and are trying this because they've got Bardo on yeah. the cover and they've got Mitch Garrods doing the art on the cover. And I think that'll be kind of a bummer. I, I think, think it will. It be a real bummer. It doesn't really fit with the tone of Mr. Miracle. At all. I'm even wondering, is this, I mean, so this is set in the past, right? Before the events of Mr. Miracle? That's a good question. I guess it must be. <laughs> I mean, it must be. Because oh, I was yeah. like, why is Barda here? I mean. Barda's like a zombie in this. Yeah, I mean, she escaped from, she escaped Apocalypse with Scott Free. Yeah. And left the Furies, like, you know, back in the 70s at some point. I think it's funny how DC keeps trying to make the fourth world work again like it's still the 70s. And with mm-hmm. the exception of Mr. Miracle, it really, there's very little that just totally lands. Well, they did have a good, a very good, uh, what was it called? Fourth World, Orion and the New Gods series that uh, I think Byrne did and then Simon, Walt Simonson took it over in the 90s. Yeah, that Orion lasted for quite a few years. By Walter Simonson, we have yeah. that omnibus. Yeah, yeah, and that was good. Mm. I haven't read it. Yeah, but yeah, that was nineties. Yeah. All that being said, <clears throat> I thought, I I thought this was I I really enjoyed this, and I think talking to you guys, um, I I I value the complaints that you've had with it, and and it. It, it probably drops it a tiny bit for me because I think you, you guys are right on. I was viewing it really in a vacuum. Mm. And and I think that if you're like if you coming from, from a new perspective, I think that it is – I think that this works best if you remove all of the context about who Darkseid and what the fourth world is. So what do you give it before you talk to us? Probably an 8.5, and I think I'd probably give it about an 8, 
after talking to you. Not a huge difference, but like I do love Dark Side, and I think that this does kind of undercut the representation of those characters a little bit. But I think it does it to serve a story, and I think that it's doing it in a good manner. But I, I also do long for their their larger representation. But I'm kind of conflicted because I like to give things points for making me feel something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to give it a five, even though it made me feel icky. It was so icky. <clears throat> uh, and that said, I'm probably going to read the next issue, and if the next one doesn't totally turn me off, I'm very likely going to finish it. So, I don't know. I I don't like what they're doing, but they're doing it really well. I think the ickiness was really well done, and it didn't make me question it. Yeah, I think, in a way, I mean, even though I didn't necessarily like some of it, it still keeps kind of the that Shakespearean core that makes all of Kirby's stuff work so well with all the different, you know... Oberon, for example, is not in this issue. <laughs> and I, well, I was, I was thinking all the dramatic stuff that happens, but all the interrelationships and all that. So. I think using comics to explore that conversation is really important, and I think that that conversation was brought up in a really good way here and mm-hmm. represented it in a really positive way. I think I'd give it like a a six and a half. I mean, I'm going to keep reading it because you know, I love the fourth world. I'm surprised DC let that shit happen. Yeah. Also a book not for younger people. Old Man Quill, number one <laughs> by Are you Ethan saying that? Sachs and uh, art by Robert Gill. Are you just saying that because he's dusty and old? Uh, uh, he's old, <laughs> so he's not young, get it? <laughs> Andreas Massa colored it. Listen, man, my finances are fucked, and I pooped my pants today. I, I'm just, give me a bone. You're, you're, no, not like a bone. Or Give me a, like a, don't toss me a bone. Hey, your, penis. Your, your quills aren't as firm as they used to be? <sighs> Oh. Django was just going to talk to his penis. That was very good, Roman. What, Sorry. Quill's not a penis? That's what I call him. Yeah. Well, make <laughs> Quill, number one. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was pretty good. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I I like Ethan Sachs. I liked Old Man Hawkeye. I was bummed it was not Marco Cicchetto. I don't really know much about the Guardians. I don't care a ton about them. But the way that this was presented Old Man Quill, but it was basically Old Man Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep. I really like that twist, and then I really like that they ended up in the Wastelands at the end. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Wastelands, when do we think this is? Good question. That's a great question. I didn't even think about that. Dr. Doom has made Mount Rushmore all of him. Do you think that happened before or after Old Man it's, Logan? Uh, it's all him plus Red Skull, right? I just thought that was an in-progress Dr. Oh, Doom, but that's it does what I thought look too. like Red Skull. I guess I did, yeah. I think it's Red Skull, and I can't remember super well what what was going on. I, I think that they passed Re- Mount Rushmore in Old Man Logan, the first series, and it might have all been Red Skull at that point. So maybe this is this phase where Red Skull is turning the Doom ones into that, or is Doom turning the Red Skull ones into Doom? I think Dur- Doom's turning them into Doom. I love that idea. I don't know. I it would be cool to see wastelands <clears throat> in the future. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't. I don't really care about space. About three quarters of the way through this, it's like, oh, the fucking brood. And Omac, who is that? That's Gladiator. Gladiator. From the Imperial Guard. Yeah. Sorry. I get them confused because they look exactly the fucking same. Same color scheme, same hair. Mohawk, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gladiator's got all Superman's powers, though. I, I, I was super bummed that we were in space 
<laughs> this old man Quill. Well, was I like, was well, just bring us to Earth, and then I, the last page is like, oh, I wasn't I'm in. super excited about this series for that very reason. I don't, I don't know a lot about the cosmic, which seems like a thing I would love, but uh, but it's, but it's it's Star Lord. Of course, we're going to be in space. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I wasn't super pumped oh. about it. But we yeah, like in Ethan Sachs, we trust, right? It, I mean, this so is far. his second big run, so yeah. you know he's still cutting his teeth. But I really he's, loved this. His home planet, hometown, getting totally fucked by this church that Gladiator's working for, cut to many years in the future, and that same cross, the, we, we see the Earth, the planet that he's from, has been devastated, and, the, and this giant continent-sized symbol has been ground into it. The and Ankh. We, yeah, and the Ankh, and we cut to the future, and this Ankh is still there, and I just loved feeling that. I love feeling the way... Uh, a travesty that can happen in one day can scar a physical landscape for hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's interesting that they keep coming back to this old man universe. Um, well, because they're kind of setting themselves up to have like an ultimate universe. Yeah, sort of feeling going on here, but they've killed most of the characters and they've fleshed enough of it out that. Like, he can't cross over with Old Man Logan after his adventure. He well, can't really cross over with a bunch of people after the Old Man Hawkeye adventure. I didn't so. really think about it, but but you're right. And I think at some point in you know, several years, we'll see an omnibus that is all of these stories together. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're right. Like, Marvel Zombies lives on as a popular thing because we did these several miniseries in this time zone, you know, where things went a certain way. and. I love the idea of the Marvel Universe when the heroes have failed. Yeah. And it also has the fun of the Ultimate Universe of just, like, getting to see what has happened to these people in a totally different context. What did you think, yeah. Roman? And, and seeing that I think the Universal Church of Truth, I think that's the same church that Adam Warlock dealt with oh. in his series in the 70s and the Jim Starlin titles. I thought the, t- so, the, the name of the church was kind of dumb. Well, yeah, but, like from the seventies. <laughs> but because uh, then I think they use the Ankh symbol too. Um, so we're going to see. Well, we don't know what we're going to see of Warlock. Is he going to be an old man? Does Warlock we'll probably age? see him we at some know. point though? Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's going to show up, and and it doesn't necessarily have to cross over very much at all with the other old man characters on Earth, since these are now we're going to find out what's happening with the cosmic characters that have been out in space while all this time is passing on Earth. I mean. Where's the Silver Surfer? Is he an old man? I mean, it's pretty. I, I, I like all this stuff with Quill, how he's failed, and seeing that he's still a goofball, but despite all these failures. Yeah, he's he's a character that I don't know a ton about outside of the movies, and and don't care a ton about. But I do love this yeah. this world and the consequences of these old man books, and I until they totally jump the shark with him. I'm going to keep being really, you know, generally excited about him. Well, it's interesting because I think Star-Lord didn't become interesting until they started writing him like the star, like Chris Pratt's Star-Lord. Yeah. Because before that, Star-Lord's always just been kind of boring, I vanilla. think. Yeah, kind of vanilla. Um, did we give scores for it yet? No. Oh. I'll, give, I'll give it a, I'll give it a 7.5. I was thinking 7.5 also. <laughs> yeah. Just, you guys. Yeah, perfectly acceptable. Thank you, Peter Quill, for being the least polarizing comic on our podcast so far this week. <laughs> but there's something yeah. polarizing yet. Oh, oh! did Maybe. you guys read uh, Vindication by 
MD Marie, Carlos Miko, Dima Jr., and Thiago Consalves. Goncalves. Goncalves. I did not. I did. Did you read it, Roman? Well, then listening to us, you'll you'll feel vindicated. Oh, oh wow! Okay, so <laughs> I just I just opened this and found out that uh, this was created by Matt Hawkins oh. and MD Marie, which is interesting. Who are they? Matt Hawkins did. Uh, he, he does a lot of top, top cow, top cow, rather, top yeah. cow books that I don't read because I don't like them. Mm. Uh, I read I read a couple of them early on. Like he, is I think he, he did freeze, postal. Though? He did postal freeze. Maybe I don't know. That's oh, a yeah. back cover yeah. here. I think he is doing freeze, or he His created freeze. Oh. He's he's behind freeze, if I remember right. But he's um. Nice to meet you. Just, oh! oh, you should write for shitty movies. Woo-hoo. Joel Schumacher would love to have you on board. <laughs> Sweet, I can use the paycheck. So this book follows a young black man who goes to prison for killing somebody. And uh, 10 years later, he gets out. And it turns out that the uh, DNA, uh, upon review, was inconclusive. So they release him. As he gets out, the cop that arrested him uh, hassles him, like right out of the gate, literally out of the gate. The cop hassles him and yells at him and uh, tells him he's going to go back to jail. And they they have like a little fight. And uh, normally what you would see here is you would follow the dude who got out of prison. And you would watch his life as he tries to rebuild and uh, the cops keep coming after him and being buttholes. This one follows the cop instead. And the cop's a cop's a bad guy. Like he's – I don't think he's necessarily corrupt. He's just a racist, opportunistic shitbag who it, it, by the end kind of frames the dude for killing somebody. The thing is we don't actually know – if the guy who was in jail who got out did kill this person because it's a person who was on the jury that convicted him and the M.O. is very similar to what uh, the, the the murder that he was accused of and then released because they didn't have enough proof. Um, I, I thought it was an interesting twist on this story that we've read a How'd lot How did you like the graphic, de- graphic design on that cover? The cover's awesome. The cover's awesome. The art is Okay. Top top cow. <laughs> I would say sub top cow even. <laughs> um, Woof. But it's like the colors are really good. And even though the art is a little bit, I don't know, it's it's almost kind of amateurish for, for a lot of comics that we read. And I'm sorry, Carlos Miko, but it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, it was really easy to follow the story. So it was very effective. It, it got us to where it needed to get us. It just didn't seem quite like this artist has done enough comics to, to really nail the yeah. you know the, the hard-boiled feeling of this comic. Yeah, and, and boy, I had a harder time following it. Like, I didn't even realize that's what happens at the end. The cop frames him. Yeah, so the cop had an envelope from yeah. the dude from when they fought right out of the, the prison. Mm-hmm. And uh, he... Gives the uh, he gives the envelope to somebody as if he found it on at, at the murder scene. Yeah, and it's the writing is a little bit a little bit clunky there too. Where he's like, "Oh, well, here I found this. Uh, it's got my fingerprints on it because I'm full oh, whoops." And the other cop was like, "Oh, that's okay. Sometimes that happens. You know, we all make mistakes every once in a while." And it's just kind of yeah, yeah, a, a, spelling it out a little bit too much, I think. Yeah, and I read all that, but I didn't. I didn't. And maybe it's just me. I didn't get an indication from it that 
what the purpose of that was. I didn't know it was to frame yeah. Turner or yeah. Turner. <laughs> um, I do, I do like, I do like that twist of following the cop instead, um, instead of the the newly newly released inmate. Um, but boy, I had a lot of problems with this. I didn't like the art. Um, it is very amateurish. So the, top the, cow is the quote. Yeah. In fact, I think it's quote. page one, two, page three at the bottom of page three when the cop and the, the newly free man are having the argument. Right at the bottom of the page, there's a panel where the co- the detective is pointing at him and yelling, but he's supposed to be pointing at him, but he's actually pointing past pointing him off in the distance. with his right hand, <laughs> and he's and they follow the dialogue. And his sentence continues in the next panel Ooh. where he finishes the sentence, but now he's pointing with his left hand at a lower angle. And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> Listen, Elena Salcedo, <laughs> you're the editor. Catch that shit. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was just <clears throat> and a lot of the dialogue felt very stilted to me. It felt very much like, OK, in this scene, a character should say this. <laughs> um, what, what are your numbers, Mike? Brave, brave, wonderful boy. Uh, who's... A... Oh, are you talking to him? Of course I am. Look at him. He's got his black sweatshirt on and his black like, beanie on. <laughs> he just, I love it. Do I look like Russian gangsta? You need to give me a <laughs> score before you say something offensive. <laughs> Five. Uh, I'm going to give it a seven. And, I'm going to give it a seven. I would probably, this would probably be an eight for me if it wasn't kind of shitty art and... Kind of clunky dialogue. It's it's good stuff. I'm gonna keep reading it. Roman, do you have any justification behind that number? Any final and final vindication? Anything you want to feel <laughs> finally vindicated about? Just because just because the, cl- the clunky dialogue, the clunky art. I mean, it, it just it made it hard for me to get into the story. Really, I like the idea behind the story, but so far. I, don't like the characters and I don't like the actual execution. I just want to talk about Uncanny X-Men number 11. <laughs> one, one. One, one. Um, Roman, you read this? I did read have it, Have you yeah. been reading like any of this Uncanny X-Men I haven't. Series? I read whatever the annual, last maybe? week's issue of oh, X-Men okay. was where Cyclops came back. Yeah. Just because Cyclops came back. In so, that annual. Okay. And that's the last X-Men thing okay. I read over the last like five years. Well, I read pretty much all of it and... A weekly X-Men book by rotating writers is not a thing that I want. Rotating writers? Yeah, it was like three or four people. Um, But I do really want a good X-Men book because I love the X-Men in theory, and I've only had a couple X-Men runs that I really like, but I've never really been reading a a monthly X-Men book that I love. I'm looking over your shoulder. Yeah. Is that Cyclops doing his best Tony Stark from the movies impression? Yeah, he's got a beard. Okay. Um, hip, hip shades. Yeah, hip, Not hip the shades. Not will be kind of an asshole, but you like him anyway. And that's kind of how, like, there's been a lot of stuff, like, character changes with Cyclops in the last, like, six years. You know, like, Bendis was writing him, and he was this sort of revolutionary. Then he died after being a little bit too extremist. Um, he was, you know, vanilla boring guy when I was growing up. But he's an important portion of the X-Men mythos, and so is Wolverine. And in, in this issue, basically, we, we haven't had Wol- or Cyclops the last chunk of time but we also haven't really had strong x-men comics for a good long time now they were making a push to have the inhumans replace them uh, because they didn't have the rights and the films and all that good stuff but in this issue we get cyclops and wolverine back and i i don't know i i really liked it i cyclops was being 
kind of at the end of that whole miniseries, all of the X-Men are gone and they're believed dead by the world, but they've been taken to sort of some paradise where they're there are only X-Men, and that was that Age of X-Men alpha issue last week that we got and then we've got a bunch of mini series we're gonna be picking up on that world but over here on earth we just have wolverine and cyclops trying to solve the mystery of where all their friends are and are they dead or not and there are some other mutants left but at one point we get cyclops real drunk just like throwing a beer bottle up into the air and shooting it and multiple mutants shows up zark and i don't know i I really liked it. I don't I don't I can't even exactly say what I liked about it. It is a deviation from that character quite a bit, but it also had such a coming home feeling of Cyclops and Wolverine getting back together and at one point Wolverine says, "Hey Slim," and that's very good. And they kick some ass together and it's just one of those things that I didn't realize how much I wanted it or missed it until it was gone and and then, you know, back, but it was really I really liked it. Cyclops looks cool. Wolverine looks cool. I like these characters. And they're back. And they're going to be reassembling the X-Men in a world where they're gone. And they're it's kind of happy that they're gone. And I think that trying to find that voice for what the X-Men need to represent, which is a sort of marginalized community that is hated, it's really hard to to do that well. And I think at times people are like, well, we'll just mirror it with this sub community or we'll mirror it with this sub community. And it's a unique community and it's hard to make you root for a group that is hated for some good reasons, but also shouldn't be. I get, that's a hard balance to strike. Boy, I struggled with it. Cause, um, I mean, it did throw me off having Scott show up again, looking like, you know, like mutant Tony Stark or whatever. And, and when he was drunk, I was like, "What? Like, is this? This yeah. is not." See, a see, thing. And, and that though that didn't surprise me because, and again, because I read all the Claremont run, I've read you know all this stuff. I was like, "Okay, well, we've seen Cyclops, maybe not get drunk before. I can't remember, but go Visor through stuff in a bottle. <laughs> yeah, go through stuff like this where he's like freaking out and you know whatever and despairing. We saw that after Gene got killed, and we saw it when." The first time I saw it was when they thought Professor X had been killed. And it and, happened and, in the Morrison run, which I have read. Like, he and Wolverine get yeah. drunk. I mean, I liked, him, I liked him showing up in the beginning and kicking ass. And um, I loved seeing him and Madrox talking. And I loved seeing him and Cyclops or Wolverine fighting. Um, but a lot of I was kind of a little confused. The art kind of skips around a bit. I was, at first I was like, is this different artist? Well, and then the whole second portion is done by the hitman artist, Neil McRae. Yeah. Not Neil yeah. McRae. John McRae. John McRae. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I did think it was stupid when Psych goes to this uh, anti-mutant rally um, and quickly, you know, starts getting his ass kicked and Captain America shows up to save him. But later on, Cap says, you know, what were you doing? Is this some kind of like suicide by crowd or something. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, if Sykes, if Scott's despairing and everything and every his whole family is gone, apparently dead. You know, like people believe that, that they're makes all sense. dead. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense that he would make some bad choices like that. But it felt a little rough to me. I did want to see more of him and Cap talking because I remember yeah. that storyline where Scott calls him out and says, you know, he should have done more for the mutants. Right. And Cap was like, yeah, you're right. I should have. And I want to see more of that. It was kind of fun seeing all these uh, X-Men bad, you know, villain characters show up to take Psych out. And then, and then Wolverine shows up. And that was great. That I just really felt that. really grab. Yeah. And that same thing when, when he when he says, hey, Slim. And they don't really talk other than that. And then 
Now that we're all cut up, let's go. We got work to yeah, do. Yeah, and you want them to hug, but that's not their relationship. Yeah, and, like, yeah, and it's never. And that felt really true to these characters because they've never. I mean, originally when they, when Wolverine first showed up, they were in competition for Jean's affections. Right. I give this uh, a seven point five or an eight. I, I, I'm just really happy to see those characters in a way that doesn't make me feel totally ignorant of the world around it. Um, I'll give it a. I'll go to seven. I'll read the next one. Let's talk about uh, The Girl in the Bay, which is another burger book from J.M. DeMatteis. Much like two weeks ago, you sit down, you go to Boomers, you get some burgers, and you stand with your friends, and you talk about comics while you eat a nice, big old beef circle. Mm. No, 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 Karen Burger. Some waffle fries. Oh, she's an amazing editor. Yeah, she was the editor at uh, Vertigo when it was, she's when so it was good. amazing. Yeah. She's so good. Yeah. Uh, J.M. DeMatteis, Corin Howell, and James Devlin did this one. What did you think, Roman? I really like this. Me too. Issue. I mean, it's it's classic... DeMatteis um, um, uh, uh, themes, ballpark, whatever you want to call it. You know, things are, there's a mystery. There may be something mystical going on. There's some kind of, a form of time travel anyway. Yeah. Um, this this woman in her late teens gets uh, assaulted and killed and dumped in the bay at in, where? Like in the 70s? In 1969. 69, yeah. Yeah. Um, in is it San Francisco? Sorry, it was all the fringe that made me think it was the 70s. Late well, 60s makes sense, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, in San Francisco Bay, I think it is. Yeah. Um, but then... Like, she comes out of it. Yeah, and she wakes up uh, and and comes out of the surface of the water, and there's, like, some... Uh, mysterious woman wa- walking on the water behind her maybe, but you only see her legs and some kind of diaphanous ground- gown. Yeah, and we see her throughout the issue. Did you say diaphanous? Diaphanous. What's that mean? It means uh, sheer. You can see through it like a, like a sexy nightgown. Did you get a word of the day calendar? No. He's no. got a good vocabulary. Hey, would you my mind doing a pass on my uh, grad school application paper? No, not at all. Would you I'm add words like diaphanous name. to it? Sure. Okay. Sure. I need some help. <laughs> that <laughs> woman in that background shows up a few times in this yeah. issue, and she looks like maybe like from some Indian um, religion or something like that. She's yeah. She's got a very Indian look about her. Yeah. When the, when the main character who's from God, India, what the heck is her name? When uh, she first falls into the water, we see that woman's face. Um, and they do some good world building. We get to know this character pretty, pretty well in the in leading up to her assault and death. Um, she was into all all the any drugs, any rebellion, whatever in the oh, late sixties, all that. Oh, yes. Yeah, well to do. Well, I guess I guess upper middle class parents. I love um, when Roman says things like "well to do," <laughs> showing that he is in fact thirty six. <laughs> thirty six, and when she meets this guy. <laughs> At a party. 36. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> there's this great art where there's the, like the mystical cosmos floating in front of him, and she's just captivated by him. And they kiss, and, and she suddenly realizes this is nice in the art. She realizes as they're kissing, and she suddenly opens her eyes. And they're still kissing, and she's realized he stabbed her. Yeah. That was a really and good And then panel. the camera pulls back, and, you, and he's pulling the knife out, and then. He keeps stabbing her. Yeah. yeah. Man, um,. Hearing you talk about it, hearing that you both thought it was good, and then briefly looking at the art, I, I actually do really want to read this. This looks pretty awesome, and it, it sounds kind of like a, a cool mystery. I know True Detective is just on my mind as of late, but it almost feels kind of time travel multiple times, mystery. I'm yeah, into that. and it's really 
well done because she comes out of the bay and tries to go home and she finds her old apartment and everything, goes and the door's ajar. She goes in. It's empty. Her parents or family are gone. She finds, I think she's the, land, the owner of the building, landlady, whatever, and it's a woman that she knew, same woman back in 1969, but of course now she's 50 years older and the woman slowly realizes, wait, are you the daughter? And then there's some more just far out stuff. And this poor woman, I mean, imagine. Just, you. It, you really get the feeling that she's displaced and yeah. confused. And as she meets people, they're also confused. But they're not the ones who have been dead for 40 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's I think it's really well done. And like the. The trick is that she meets herself at the end. Oh, I didn't want to hear that. Spoiler In a timeline that she's she's not dead. Okay, cool. She's so dead. we got alternate timeline time travel. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, J.M.D. Mateus, by Mattias. the way. I'd just like to tell you you're wrong. By the way. I don't know. I don't know. I, I his, don't his, know his text piece in the back is pretty good. Guess who Keith Giffen's buddy was on that Justice League <laughs> run. I know that they're buddies. That's why I wanted to try and correct you. Yeah, and this feels to me like... Dimitrius, like besides the Justice League stuff, um, what was his series Moonshadow? Yep. Some of his big, yep. long um, maxi series he did in like in the eighties, nineties that were kind of mystical, kind of funky, not typical superhero stuff. This this feels like that. So, Burger Books. Yeah. I didn't read Matahari, but I think I've read every other one that that they've put out, and I've really enjoyed them even though they look like a comic I would really not be into almost every time. Yeah, I haven't read most of them. I've read about three. That's true. The only reason I read this is because of J.M. Dematis' name. If I had just seen that cover and that art, I'd be like, nope, skip. I'll tell you guys, you're the, you're the, missing out on some the cover, solid The cover comics. stuff is right, or sorry, is, uh, is wrong. The cover stuff yep. is not um, the best thing. I would say that Gosh, I would, I would, if I were them, I would um, pare down the branding just a little bit. I would make a little bit fewer stuff coming out. I would finish the runs and I would, you know, like Seeds has slowed down. Um, I would try and have like two or three things tops at a time coming out. Because right now, uh, if you were trying to read all of them, I think it's there's too many to try and have read all of them. Yeah, effectively. I mean, I think if you want to part the industry kimono a little bit, yeah, um, I think Dark Horse is a little bit afraid of. Well, they've lost a lot of their properties. licenses, yeah. right? So, yeah. like, they were. I was talking to um, I talked to one of the muckety mucks right before. To Dark Horse? Yeah, Dark Horse himself. Okay. It's like one of the one of the it's a top tier editors there. Uh, right before they lost the Star Wars license mm-hmm. and. We were like, dude, that's got to be kind of terrifying for you guys because they they were just shitting out Star Wars comics left and right. And it's a solid property. And he was like, well, yeah, it's a bummer, but it's only about 15% of our sales. But we've got Karen. It's it's only 15% of your sales because you're doing it wrong. Well, yeah, but (laughs) but like what percentage of their sales is Hellboy? And what percentage of their sales is uh, Conan? (laughs) Well, yeah. So, like, they've had to completely redirect in the last five years to compensate for not having these pretty high-profile licenses. Well, and I I think that that is good for their company. Yeah. I think that people like IDW and Dark Horse need to find, you know, find some new stuff and not, yeah, just milk the... And so this is a Dark Horse book. 
that happens to be a burger book. What I'd, do you guys give it? I'd give this a... 7.5? Jeez. Yeah, Ooh. closer to an 8, I think. Ooh, like, Roman, you're thinking like yeah, I, 8, I was, I was thinking, damn mystery. I was thinking an 8, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm gonna, wow. I'm going to give it both. I'm going to give it a 7.5 wow. and an 8. Wow. Wow. Take that, Phil. I love you guys. <laughs> Put that in your spreadsheet, Phil. Well, listen, we're nearing the end of our time here together. Yeah, what are you going to do about that, Phil? It's pronounced Phil. Phil. Like you're saying fiali, like a fiali, fell. Before we get out of here, before we go away, before we sort of unpack ourselves into our our sort of personal spaces. Did you want to hear my story about Chicago? I want to unpack a little (laughs) bit all over you. I I was trying like halfway through this podcast. I was like, we got to come back to that story. And I forgot. I was like, what was that? Was it Chicago? I didn't know there was Chicago. I was like, what was that thing that Django was going to tell us? And he cliffhangered us. What was it? I I can do it. I I don't have to do it now. We can do it after this next thing Um, that we're doing. We got you got three minutes. Uh, Oh, geez. I read Gun. No, 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 no. We don't have time for buckshots. We're running long. We've got three minutes for a Chicago story. Oh, geez. It's pronounced Chicago. So I had just gone to a movie theater in Sheridan, no, Cheyenne, Wyoming, and watched the movie Seven with my bass player. Buddy at the time, Chris Kajornis. Uh, this was this was the time travel <laughs> thing. Oh. Uh, so Chris and I had just gone to see. It was either seven or uh, something like that, and uh, we went across the street. And you know, Cheyenne's one of the bigger cities in Wyoming, maybe the biggest, but it's not a big city. It's not Portland. We call uh, do that uh, Yeoman Bros. That's what we call when we run around Cheyenne Yeoman together. Yeoman Bros. You know, <coughs> Yeoman, Yeoman, Yeoman Bros. Okay. Um, and, you know, we were uh, we were hanging out there. It's about half the size of Bellingham. So we went to the hotel restaurant right across the street from the movie theater. And Cheyenne's a town that is mostly, I mean, it's a western town, but it's also a train hub. And so there was, there was uh, what they call, like the, the high school kids there call them train guys. It's just dudes who ride the rails and, you know, do things. We would we would call them like the street kids or whatever. And this is we were in there. It was just us at one table, and then all the way across the restaurant there was this super skinny black dude who had like four huge plates of food and like a ton of backpacks. And you know, he was he was uh just a, a train dude. He was training. He was a train dude and, and stiff. Oh. He had everything except the bindle <laughs> stiff. Yeah. Damn. Uh, and, and he was talking about how good the food was and just like shouting at anybody who was nearby who could listen. And that was <laughs> us and the 450-pound cook. And he's like, this is some good damn food. This is the best food I ever ate. This food's so good my belly hurts. My stomach hurts. I'm going to throw up. This food's so good I'm going to throw up. And eventually he came up to us and he said uh, – Man, I've been everywhere. I've been to New Orleans, New York, Seattle, Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) And then he asked us, uh, hey, where'd a beer joint at? And Chris and I were like, what? It was Jeff, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jeff and I were like, what? What? We were... Like 19. It was a while ago. 18, 19. He goes, <laughs> yeah, where the yeah. beer joint at? And I was like, oh, where where the beer joint at? And what did I say? You're We're like, not old enough to drink, you <laughs> bindle stick man. <laughs> That's what you said. <laughs> and he's like, oh, man, we'll go in there. 
we'll march in there. I'll take you over there. We'll, we'll march in there under one flag. Oh, <laughs> what did I one say? Flag. We're like, no, thanks, man. I know. We'll, I uh, said, I don't want to do that. We'll, we'll see you, you later. Bindleman. <laughs> we pointed him to the, the hotel bar and he went and then the cook came up to us and he said, uh, and the, the cook was like, as big as a car. Like, <laughs> I know. I almost tried to get inside him to get home. Yeah. Yeah. He waddles up to us, like thunders up and mm-hmm. he, he goes, uh, do you know why his stomach hurt? Because he, he'd been telling us the food's so good, I'm going to throw I up, so right? I confused. They're like, no. Why? Why does why does his stomach hurt? Is it because he ate like four plates of hash browns or whatever? And I was a little bit doobied up. So what did he say? I don't remember. <laughs> he, said, he says, he ate a whole big bottle of Tabasco with his meal. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> and that's man. anytime somebody says Chicago, that's all I can think about. Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. Chicago. Um, listen, Django, you and I are about to travel across the country here in about like two, two weeks, weeks or so. I'm really two pumped about it, man. I am too. I've, it's been, I've had a, a landmark shitty two weeks now. <laughs> like, you know. So let's go to landmark. Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> and dude, I'm really pumped about it. I can't wait. I keep thinking about like, does the fact that I don't have insurance or I'm totally financially fucked impact this at all? I'm like, no, it doesn't. We're going to go do this. Irrelevant. I'm pumped about Irrelevant, it. We're going to go man. to uh, Comics Pro, which is a a little uh, self-grandizing of a title, but it's uh, basically an organization that is, um, I don't know who runs it, but it's just all, you, you pay to be a part of it if you're like a store owner or int- intimately related to the comics industry and a bunch of distributors and the higher-ups at the companies and, you know, people who you would be buying stuff from, like supplies, companies. all They gather. show up, but the Comics Pro is just retailers. Is it? It's Yeah. And it's a really cool thing, and I, I can't wait to get to go see all these people again. And Django and I did it last year for the first time, and it was a blast. Uh, so we're going <coughs> to, you know, I still haven't posted our fucking podcast about our customer appreciation day. We're going to post that <laughs> podcast. And we're also, I'm going to bring a mic in my backpack and my laptop, and we're going to record some shit while we're there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're doing it. Let's, uh, let's look on Amazon or something and see if we can get a mic that plugs into our phones. Maybe. Maybe. I don't, know. I don't know anything about sound. I don't. I, I think <laughs> if one of us is going to bring a laptop, I think we, assuming we can fit a tiny microphone in it, I think we'll have everything we need. All right. Yeah. yeah. I think we can I, do it. I love it. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, man. I'm I'm super excited. I was telling Erica today that uh, I was, was like, I, I'm going to get to hang out with Jeff for like four days straight. I know. And two great things about it. We're not going to be in the store and distracted about the store all the time. Yeah. But also... We're probably only going to talk about store things. I know. It's going to be so much fun. I'm pumped about it. So, like, uh, I, like, genuinely do not like to leave Bellingham, and I'm excited to do this. So, excited about that. Excited to talk about Young Justice Number 2 by Brian Bendis and Patrick Gleason. Uh, Django, now, listen. I know that you made it a couple pages in and then just got (laughs) fucking angry and done with it. You You know what it was? What's that? I got, like, seven or eight pages in. I didn't care about what was going on, and I saw the Wonder Twins comic ad mm-hmm. by Mark Russell. And I was like, "That looks way better than this. I don't want to read any more of this comic." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that ad has been distracting because, yeah, I, to looks, certain degrees, I've had that reaction I with think, everything I've read this week. I'm like, I "Oh, I want Wonder Twins." All yeah. of the Wonder <laughs> Comics ads are distracting. They're full pages. They look like covers. They come one after the other. They're super shiny. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, it's kind of distracting. What well, you liked this though, right? I liked it what, a lot. What did you love about it? Well. 
I think that um, we all kind of complained a little bit about issue number one Mm -hmm. being just kind of fast and not breathing at all. And this, and I, I think we said like, uh, I think that there's going to be a more talking issue coming up here. And, and this was that. Um, but beyond that, it was also the sort of main introduction to Wonder Girl, or Cassie is her name. And she is, if I understand it correctly, Wonder Woman's little sister? Or No, she's not actually. She's Zeus's daughter? Zeus's granddaughter. I don't know how they change things, because before, she's actually the daughter of one of Wonder Woman's old friends, just a regular human friend. And may have been a villain at one time, her, okay. her, the, the Cassie's mother. I don't know what one. I don't know what her relationship to Zeus is, or when she. At some point, Zeus gave her powers of the gods. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's not biologically related to Wonder Woman. So this is mostly a just get to know you, Cassie issue, and it starts and ends on Jim World and. We've got Tim Drake and Amethyst doing a big thing, and that's cool. And uh, Jenny Hex is hanging out for briefly a a moment with the new Teen Lantern, who we still haven't physically seen in this issue. But we mostly just get uh, an encounter where Cassie, Wonder Girl, um, is beating Desparo. And after she kicks the hell out of Despero, Desparo, It's Desparo because he uh, ruins lawyers' careers. Oh, yeah, unbarred. Yeah. <laughs> because he's bitter because he, he got disbarred. So, you know, she kiss, kicks his ass and then Zeus shows up in the human form and there's just a cool interaction between Cassie and Zeus. And it just made me really charmed by Cassie. And I'm on record as generally loving Bendis' dialogue. And this is mostly Zeus in human form talking to Cassie. And he's trying to give her this gift and you're my granddaughter and this is happening. And she sort of just sort of just says like, all right, well, why are you giving this to me? She's like, he's like, well, you know, you're supposed to get it. You're my granddaughter. He's like, well, no, I get it. But also like, don't I technically get that when I grow into it? And he's like, well, yeah. And she's like, okay, cool. Well, like, let me figure out who the fuck I am and I'll grow into that stuff. But how about you don't let me owe you and... You know, I, there are people in my life who try to do things for me a lot, and it just makes me feel like then I can't be honest with them if I'm frustrated with them or something. Um, I really... I'm right here. I, you're not that guy. You're not that guy. You balance that line Uh-oh. of doing enough Must for me. me while also making me work so hard to please you. Um, it, it was just this... I really got and sympathized with that, like, let me figure out who I am. And you don't need to do this stuff for me. If, if you have a thing for me, I'll grow into that. You're saying I'm going to grow into it. So let me let me figure that out. How about, how about you back off? And I just, I, I love Bendis' writing of youth at this point. I'm, I'm so in love with all of the books that he's done. I, I loved Naomi, and I loved this one for a, such a similar reason. I think that he really gets kids and he's adopted a bunch of kids and he has some biological kids. And I think that particularly at this point, I think that he has enough exposure in his life to young women through his children that he understands them, but he also understands the way society should be interacting with them on a more healthy level. And um, to get to read that is a real joy. And I, I, I really like this book. I really liked the art and yeah, the, the the beginning stuff is okay, but it's really once we get to meet Cassie, and you know, I got, I was for some reason there's a pessimistic voice inside of me, and I was I was ready to sort of be annoyed by this book because I wasn't 
it wasn't a shot to the moon with the first issue, but you know, at the first, like Wonder Girl shows up when Ginny Hex is about to shoot somebody, and Wonder Girl's like got a coat on, but her hands are up, like slow down, and the coat's down around her elbows, and I was like, oh man, do we really need to be showing her arms and sexualizing this person? Like, I just had this sort of readiness to be negative about it, and then I spent ten pages with this girl, and I just really she grew on me and, and, and found a place in my heart and I, I really am excited to read her more. I, I loved seeing her tell Zeus off and uh, I'm I'm just really excited for moments like this in this run and I don't I'm not super pumped to be reading Impulse and talking crazy fast and you know trying to feel younger but I, I have a feeling that Bendis is going to defy my expectation once again with that and I, I love getting to see Robin as Tim Drake and um, any anytime I don't know. Anytime I find myself frustrated, if I reread a thing from Bendis, I'm just impressed. And I, I liked him a lot before his time at DC, but his time at DC has made me feel like not only do I like him, but I respect him a lot. Mm. And, and and I just this this book really sort of brought home my respect and and joy for reading his books. And at this point, I just I I I wanted to read everything he he wrote beforehand, but I really want to read it all now. Um. Mm. I got two questions. Give them. How old is Cassie supposed to be? I don't know. Cause that anywhere from twelve <clears throat> to seventeen. Her rejecting <laughs> that thing in the way that she did seems like I assume she's eighteen or nineteen. That's something okay. I wouldn't even think to do, and I'm forty-one years old. It's a thing that I think to do all the time. Yeah, and... but did you twelve years ago? How old are you? <laughs> I'm twenty-nine. I did you twenty years ago. Uh, Ten nine. years ago? <laughs> um, yeah, but it's because I'm aware of the fact that I'm worried that people don't like me. So the way that sure. I try to deal with that is try to do things for them to get them to like me. And I see that in other people. And uh, and and I, I want to feel like my opinions and feelings about somebody are okay and I don't need to temper them by the fact that they do things for me and that is mostly because i understand my the, the way that i do that sure and my own my own problem with that so oh so okay so my my big swing and dick is why i wouldn't think to talk like that when i was 19 then well it's just that like you know i i i know that my insecurity causes me to act in a certain way and i know that other people's does as well and i you know i want to like everybody but also i don't want to feel like i owe people a thing and I, right. therefore i can't interact genuinely with them. Okay. Mm-hmm. I guess that just seemed like a really mature conversation. I think it is. And I don't know if I did that in high school, it, but I, you know. It did. Though I assumed when I was reading it, the reason behind that maturity and stuff is because she's hung out with Wonder Woman and she knows you can't trust Zeus. I thought sure. that I didn't know she was a character that existed before this. So okay. I was reading this like this was her first introduction. So I, I really liked it from that standpoint. Yeah, when she was in her, I think she was like 10 when she was first introduced and just as a normal little girl. Mm-hmm. And number one was the first appearance of Teen Lantern, right? Yeah. yeah, and we still have not physically seen her in the issues. Except on the cover. Right. Which is super weird. I agree. I thought they showed her in the first issue inside her mecca. I don't think that we physically but saw her. Oh. I think so. Also, if Teen Lantern didn't name herself, I'm going to be happier with that name. Because she keeps saying it in that logo? Like, <laughs> well, just like... 
I can't think of a teen that would want to name themselves Teen Something. Right, yes. Yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 Please you're God. not green. How about you'll be teen? Okay. Yeah. Please yeah. make it so that someone else bullied her into taking that name or something, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, I could totally see not digging this issue and, and being difficult to get through. That's that's not a stretch for me to understand at all. I also all. just don't like Gem World. Um, and, <laughs> and I didn't either until Roman explained it to me on that episode. I like the idea that each gym has different, like, powers and personality aspects. And I was like... Yeah, oh, different like, attributes. Yeah, and like I th- that... I think I said it was like, it's like the houses in, in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Except way before he wrote Game of Thrones. Yeah, still doesn't grab me. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I like it. That's sort of, sort of Power Rangers to me more than anything. Oh, it's sort of this yeah. color does this, oh. this color does this, this yeah. color does this. And I like that sort of g- genre, genre, um, generalized specification thing that, that scratches me in a good way. Um, what do you give it? I give it an 8.5. Like, I really liked it. I liked it a lot more than the first issue. Roman, I just talked my my whole shit about that uh, and sort of stomped on you. He just likes can I, can I, I, I I done liked it. <laughs> like um, Amethyst. It, I mean, yeah, I loved everything with their conversation, Zeus and Cassie's conversation, and I and I'm, I was a big fan of Gemworld. So the final page when Lord Opal showed up, I was like, oh, cool, because he's the big, the bad bad dude in uh, Gemworld, if I remember right. Um, I was surprised. I mean, that it was the focus was just on Cassie. Yeah, that was surprising. Yeah, I expect because after the first issue, you, the whole team is so it's action oriented. This mm-hmm. one was was not action oriented. Listen, boys, if Ginny Hex doesn't get scarred in the next two issues, I'm fucking out. Like, like, well, you were out. You want to have uh, the big lip thing? pages into this one. So. <laughs> I'm double out. Yeah, I want I wanted to be uh, caught by the Apaches and tortured and burned. Um, so cutting that out. Really, well, really, 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 really quickly, really quickly. I need your score. Oh, uh, I'll give it a seven. And then I need someone to tell me about Mark Russell's Red Sonia. Oh, quickly. It was good. Cool. I didn't read it yet. It oh, was yeah, good. Right. It was I, good. I I don't care about Red Sonia. I care about Mark Russell's Red Sonia. Okay. Braden said that it was it, it like he somehow got his Mark Russell snark and politics into ancient Samaria, which is <laughs> sweet. Like if if you're gonna throw, if you're gonna throw like jabs at modern politics into Conan kind of universe shit, I'm sold. He did it in Flintstones, so yeah. But Flintstones is goofy and kind of yeah naked enough that you can dress it up however you want. And Red Sonia is like all this overwrought like uh, battle hardened badass shit. So if he can if he can do that, I. And I believe he can. Oh, for sure. I, I've been saving that for like the the chocolate cake on my on my comic. Yeah, I've, got a, I've got a couple books left, so that's my frosting. Well, that's us. That's us, everybody. Chicago. 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 <laughs> and uh, more importantly, in two weeks, where are we going? Charlotte, North Carolina. You just bought the ticket, so I'm just going to get on an airplane and eat my Beecher's cheese sandwich before we fly like I always do at that airport. Beecher's cheese sandwich. Yeah. I think we fly out at like 7 a.m. or something Dude, ridiculous. I always <laughs> fly out that early, and it's always my breakfast. You need a gut full of cheese to yeah. get on a plane. I also, um, <laughs> yeah, usually just get drunk before I fly, but Sam finally got uh, some anxiety meds to to fly because we're both freaked out about it. So I'm going to take one of those before we go. I don't do meds, but uh, I'll drink your whiskey. Yeah. Hey, you know what? What? If you don't bring shampoo in your uh, one-gallon Ziploc bag, as long as you pour it into three-ounce containers, it can be all whiskey 
in that bag. I don't really get that, but I'm Jeff, and I'm still recovering from my rectal uh, my rectal follies today. I'm Django. I watched it happen, and uh, man, it was shockingly nonchalant, wasn't it? Yeah, I feel left out. I really do. I really do. I'm gonna shit my pants for you one of these days for on me a Wednesday. or for the for the audience. <laughs> no, just for you. Okay. I don't want you to feel left out. It's well, like Justin's done. I am shit a kiss. And I've done it enough <laughs> with myself at this point. I've got Jeff from last year. I got Jeff from four years ago. We're all sort of in the pantheon together. I'll always be your Brian Buck. I know. In the, in the, in the pantheon. Oh. oh, Roman, that was good. That's a good sign off, but you got to come up with a real one. The pantheon. The pantheon. I'm Roman, and there's a whole Roman pantheon going on. I need to. I need to poo my drawers too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's that's the impression I'm giving people. <laughs> yeah, it's totally helpful and it's cool. God, yeah, we we well we guys, I, the cool kids. I can't wait to get to work and shit in my <laughs> pants. <laughs>